Hi, and welcome to the Special Within. This is Saratoga Beth. This is the Project of Orpanimi. Okay, sitting in stormy weather. Let's see how the recording comes out. Why am I doing it? I always like to match the venue with the theme. It's a bit of a stormy topic. It's about the Lechem Apanim. How stormy could that be? But here's the question. On a scale of 0 to 10, how much would you say you trust people when they do things that you don't understand or you don't agree with? If it's not your way, let's say you always drive upstate on the Palisades and that person wants to go on the 87th. No, 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 no. Or, 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 or even more, people do things that you just can't understand. Do you think to yourself, I bet they're no, they know what they're doing. Or do you say, what, what's wrong with them? No, you have to do it this way because your way, you believe, is the right way and anything else can't be the right way. Or do you leave space for other people to, to maybe know what they're doing even if you don't understand it? Okay, so what does that have to do with the base of Migdash? When we are looking at the walls, of the around the base of Migdash or the walls of the base of Migdash, the northern wall. Remember, we come to the wall behind the Kaidish Kadeshim, and then we turn the corner, and on this northern wall we have the gate of Yechania, then the gate of the Karbanas, then the women's gate, and then the chamber of the hearth. The chamber of the hearth. This chamber of the hearth had a large fire burning in the center. And inside the chamber of the hearth, there were four small chambers in each corner of the chamber of the hearth. There was the chamber of the ghosts, the chamber of the tokens, the chamber with the stairway, and what's significant for us, the chamber of the bakers of the Lechem HaPanim. The chamber of the bakers of the Lechem HaPanim. Every week, of course, the Lechem HaPanim was baked and put on the Shulchan, which was in the sanctuary, in the temple building. And baking this bread was a unique art that only the Garmu family knew how to do. They were the ones in charge, the Garmu family were the ones in charge of always baking the Lechem upon him. One time, the Chachamim, well, no, one time they were asked to tell the secret of how they did it. Because, I'll tell you the truth, um, I remember that one of my sons in yeshiva many years ago, I don't know, maybe he was 12, and they were making all kinds of kalim of the base amygdash, you know, representing and painting things gold, and they tried to bake these lechem apanims, and they went to somebody's oven, and they kept trying and trying, one of the mothers, and they pieced it together, and they made one, one chal and another, and they stuck it together, it's not a simple thing to build, the, to, to bake the lechem upon him and in the shape and how it comes out and all of the things. So the Garmu family was asked to tell the secret and they said no. So the sages were not pleased that they said no and dismissed them, fired them and instead hired professional bakers from Alexandria in Egypt to take over, to take their place. But the quality of the lechem upon him 
was not as good anymore. Not as good as the one that was made by the Garmu family. So the sages came to the Garmu family and asked them to come back to their jobs. But they asked the following question. Why don't you share your knowledge? Why don't you tell us the secret? Why do you refuse to tell us the secret of how you bake the lechem upon him? We asked you to tell us. Why can't you tell us? And the Garmu family said the following. It's been a family tradition not to tell this secret to anyone. Our ancestors saw, foresaw that the Beis Amigdash would one day be destroyed. And they didn't want somebody who wasn't worthy to learn this art of baking the lechem upon him and use it for the wrong purpose. And so it was decided in our family not to ever tell the secret of how we bake it to anyone. When the sages heard this, they were pleased with their answer, and they praised the Garmu family, saying they used their knowledge of baking only for the needs of the Besamidish. At home, the Garmu family ate only coarsely baked bread. So we know, we know about the Lechem upon him, the Parnassa coming through that, and we spoke a bit about its placement, the, the placement of the Shulchan in the temple building. But here's an interesting thing. This lechem upon him itself. Somehow, either there's more to the story, or there's, there's, there's something that's brought up here that really relates to struggling youth. My question was when I first read this, and again, I'm sure there's more to the story. The Chachamim didn't know to trust the Garmu family's answer, if they said, we don't want to tell the secret, why couldn't they trust them and say, you must know what you're doing? You must have a good reason. Why the need to fire them and hire somebody else and then uh, ask them to come back? Why not be able to say, surely you know what you're doing and you have a good reason? So this very much... And again, I don't know the answer, and maybe there's more to the story, but this idea very much points to our struggling youth. They tend to be very highly intuitive, very sensitive kids who feel often that they aren't trusted. They have very unique instincts, and very often they just feel that They wanted people to say all along the way, from the time that they were very little, instead of, you don't know what you're talking about, I know you don't know. Instead, they were begging for people to say, I bet you know what you're talking about. I bet you know what you're doing. They wanted people to trust their instincts. And often they were incredibly hurt by people saying, you know, I'm the adult, you're the child, you don't know, I do know, we can't trust you. And then, of course, later on, even more so. How can I trust you? You don't even put on filling every day. How can I trust you? You don't, you don't do the basic mitzvahs. How can I trust you? How can I trust you? Look what you do. You, you hang out. Look. And they often have a deep, deep desire for people to just trust them. I think I told the story about a week ago about a girl that I met about 15 years ago who said she hates 
people. Beautiful 20-year-old girl. She said she hates people. And they asked her, really, you hate people? She said, I hate people. And she looked so, you know, put together, but she had an enormous amount of inner, inner anger. She said she hates people. They said, who do you hate? Who do you hate? She said, my elementary school principal. Why? Because he used to say, and I told the story last week, I know you don't know. You're just a little kid. You don't know, and I do know. You have to listen to me. And it was, for her, the most painful thing. We're thinking, oh, I'm the authority. I know, and you don't know. And it never occurred to us that there might be, again, we're talking about sometimes children. We feel like they're children. How can they know? How can they know? They're children. What do they know? They're kids. They don't know anything. We know. And it never occurs to us how hurtful this is to them that they're just begging for somebody to trust their instincts or at least just to say, you may be young, but maybe you do have a certain wisdom and let's hear what you have to say. Let's hear what you have to say. And this refusal on the part of many adults to hear them, to trust them, it's very hard for them. A couple of examples of that would be they're often very intuitive about people that are good for the family and people that are not good for the family. They say, this guy, you shouldn't have him as a guest. He's bad news. Say, oh, no, he's such a beautiful, from Ehrlich, blah, blah. And later on, we find out it wasn't. And they knew because they're highly sensitive and highly intuitive. They knew. No one believed them. Or many situations where they just felt like, I don't want to go there. You shouldn't go there. We shouldn't be there. We, Dude, What are you talking about? You're a kid. What do you know? Etc. And then came to the point, okay, you're not going to trust me anyway. You're not going to trust me anyway, so I might as well... Uh, Create real breaches of your trust. Then after you say, oh, I can't trust you, you see you. So what is that? And even so, even when they're kind of retaliating, they often have a plan. We say, Who you? I, I'll give you an example. A mother said, she used to say to her son, look at you, look at you, look at you. Who are you gonna, who's going to marry you? Who's going to marry you? There was one young man, he said, the parents said, look at you, you're full of tattoos. How are you ever going to get married? Who's going to marry you? Somebody somebody who appreciates tattoos. Yeah, look what's going to be with you. Hashem, he got got married, great girl, etc. Or the child who said, the young man who said, the mother said, who's going to marry you? Look Look at what shape you're in. You're not doing this because you're not. And he said, who's going to marry me? Somebody who understands me. And the two of them, in the end, grew together very nicely and really moved up the scale very nicely. And he knew it. This child knew it. He had an instinct. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. And yet no one wanted to trust. Ah, what do you know? You're a kid. But he knew what he was doing. So maybe a harchlata could be to ask ourselves, is it possible that our children are more on the ball, are more with it, 
than we think. Is it possible that Hashem puts a certain wisdom in them that is too high and too out of the box for us to really um, understand. But Hashem is guiding them with a special wisdom and even giving them a special wisdom. What if we would decide that that might be true? What might be different in their lives and what might be different in our lives? And I would say, being from experience with lots and lots of people and lots and lots of struggling youth, that when they see that people start to trust them, they start to drop a lot of their rebellious behavior and they start to give people very visible reasons to trust them. They start to heal. So that's, so getting back to the base of Migdash, this Lechem upon him, was such an incredible miracle, right? The bread was fresh the whole week. It was as fresh at the end of the week when it was replaced as at the beginning of the week. It had a special quality that we're not used to. And maybe our children do too. There's a freshness deep within them in some kind of a deep wisdom and a deep guidance that Hashem is providing them with that will keep them safe if we allow them to heal. And in the end, and if, and if we decide we're having nachas from them now, in the end we'll have unbelievable nachas. And maybe we could decide we're having unbelievable nachas now. They're good kids. They want. They want Hashem's love. Maybe even more than we do. Believe it or not. So may we see them as the ultimate leaders right away in the third base of Mitzvah, leading the world to the, in the Geula Mitzvah Thanks so much. To call me for any coaching or healing work, please call me at 347-762-7708.